I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou. Now, in light of the recent reports linking Arsenal with a move for Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, I decided to call up an old friend, the brilliant Vittorio Campanile of the Lazio Lounge, Italian football expert, big, big Lazio fan, as you could probably tell by the way he's dressed. Uh, Vittorio, welcome to the channel, mate. It's been a little while since we've spoken on a podcast. How have you been? Yeah, not bad. He is extremely hot. Guys, if you're planning to go to Italy, be careful because the temperature here are very, very high. So I'm Make missing sure a little bit leads. The English Make weather. sure you pack the sun cream. Oh, you, you, definitely, definitely. I never thought I'd ever hear somebody say that they're missing the English weather, but you <laughs> are. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the last two weeks here have been so hot, you couldn't believe it. <laughs> brilliant stuff I, i'd take that all day i love hot weather um I, I really really do look before we dive into the milinkovic savage chat and before uh we go into uh, anything else arsenal related there is a bit of an elephant in the room there's been a lot of talk over the last 24 hours about a 29 year old footballer arrested at an address in barnet with connection uh to a rape case now what i want to do is just put it out there that i don't know anything about this and I don't think it's helpful for me to speculate about who it might be, what might have happened. You know, I just I don't know anything, so I can't talk about it and I, I won't talk about it. I just want to put that out there because I can imagine that there will be people asking about it. I know that there's been some talk about, you know, a post from Chris Wheatley that was then deleted. I've been told again, I don't know anything about the story behind that and I don't want to get drawn into speculation over something so serious. I think it's really important that when you don't know the facts around a case like this, that you kind of, you know, refrain from adding fuel to the fire. So I really don't want to do that. Uh, so we're going to talk solely about football today. And that's what I'm really, really looking forward to. Now, Vittorio, talk to us about the Sergei Milinkovic-Savic links. Now, the reason I, I wanted to talk to you is because I know that you work in the Italian media. I know that you have your ear very close to the ground. I know you're a big, big Lazio man. And I wanted to try and gauge from you, first of all, how reliable is it Il Messaggero? Have I said that right? Messaggero, yes. Messaggero. Ge generally speaking, as an outlet, how reliable would you say they are? Because I think there are a lot of Italian ones that I look at and I just... I just closed the tab. I'm like, it's not worth reading this. How are so, they in terms of... Reliability? So the Messaggero is the newspaper of Rome, but unfortunately is unreliable, especially when they talk about Lazio. I think in the last couple of months, they sold Milinko Savic to at least five teams. Uh, they said in May that he already bought a house in Turin because he was heading to Juventus and he's still there with us. So uh, Messaggero is not very reliable. Said this... We know that, and what the owner of Lazio said, Miniko Isavic is not for sale, but if a big club comes here and offers me a lot of money and the player wants to go, he's free to go because we have a great relationship. So this is what is going to happen. The transfer market window in Italy closed the 1st of September. So if a big club comes, hopefully not the 31st of August or the 1st of September, a couple of days before, so we have time to place him. 
with a lot of money, and we're talking really about a lot of money, he wants something around 18 million euros. Uh, he can go, he can leave. Miniko Isavic, I think it's a player ready to fight for the Champions League. He's, for me, the best midfielder in, in Serie A in the last couple of years. So I think he deserves a big team. But at the moment, not a big offer has arrived yet to Rome. Let me um, let me tell you basically exactly what they're saying and, and you can kind of break it down for us. So they're saying that Arsenal made a first offer of 55 million euros and that that was rejected uh, by Lazio. Now, could it be possible that Arsenal made the offer or, or from what you know, is is that completely out there? I don't know if Arsenal made the offer, but if they offer that amount, then probably Lazio rejected. It's very similar to what happened in May because Juventus at the moment is the only club we know so far that made a real offer to Lazio for Miniko Savic and they offer 50 million euros and Lotito said, I'm not even talking to you if you're offering me this much. So, um, you know, in Italy, transfer market is very popular. We usually have a couple of very reliable sources Nobody at the, man, at the moment mentioned an offer for Miniko Savic. So this is what I can tell you at the moment. And, and it then goes on to say that Arsenal could go up to 65 million euros for the midfielder. And that is described in their report as, and I quote, a figure that Lazio would deem appropriate for the Serbians' farewell. Do you think 65 million euros, if that was to be laid on the table, would be enough to convince well, Lazio? This is what the Messagero has been saying in the last couple of months. They say that Lotito would accept 60 million euros, while all the others are saying that minimum is 80 million euros. Now, I don't know if the Messagero have uh, sources that have told them that, or, or they have spoke directly with the Lazio owner who told them that. But as far as I know, everybody else is saying that 80 million is the minimum. Then, you know, in modern football, if the player has wants to go, then he can put pressure on the club and, you know, force to accept them a lower offer. But as far as now, Milinkovic has never put the club under pressure. He always been very clear. He, he enjoys Rome. It's a nice city to live, especially if you're young and rich. You have a lot of things to do. So at the moment, he never put pressure on the club, never asked the club to leave. So I don't know. But as, as we said, today is the 5th of July. Transfer market closed the 1st of September. There is plenty, unfortunately for us, time to uh, get other offers or to see Arsenal increase the beat. Let me ask you a question then. So do you think that the reason Milinkovic-Savic, despite being arguably the best midfielder in Serie A for a while, is still at Lazio because A, he really wants to be there and he's happy to be there. Or do you think it's B, because the price tag set for him has maybe been a little bit crazy? Because to me, 80 million euros sounds crazy and it feels as though you're pricing the player out of a potential move. Um, you know, the the market set the price. And you We've been doing a Serie A, simply Serie A, and Vlaovic went to Juventus for 70 million euros. I don't think he's worth it that money. But if Vlaovic is worth 70 million euros, then Milinkovic is worth it 100 million euros. So, you know, it depends. Uh, Skriniar could go to Paris Saint-Germain for 70 million euros. Then I, will, I think that Milinkovic 
it's worth much more than Skriniar. Uh, the other thing is, I think he wants to go to Real Madrid. His dream, his dad said, is Real Madrid. At the moment, Real Madrid never show any interest for the players. So I think if Real Madrid doesn't show up, he's happy here. Obviously, we're talking about a player that is reaching his peak because he's 27, if I'm not wrong. I think he has at least three, the next three years will be his best. And I really believe he's a game changer. He's a player that can win the Champions League. And I think he he should be going to a team that can win the Champions League. But, you know, he has two years of contract with Lazio. So Lazio can set the price at the moment. At least this summer. Next summer probably is a different uh, thing. But this summer, I think Lazio still, still can set the price of the player. Tell us a little bit about what he brings to the Lazio midfield, because there are a lot of Arsenal fans out there that will know the name, that will have seen various YouTube compilations, but maybe don't watch Sergei Milinkovic-Savic week in, week out. You do, and very, very closely. Describe to us a little bit about the type of midfielder that he is, and, and if he did come to the Premier League, what exactly he would bring? Well, one thing is very interesting is I thought Milinkovic changed a lot of position during the year and have improved a lot because we bought him from Belgium where he was playing uh, pretty much uh, the, the, the midfield in front of the defence, which is absolutely not his role. He's, he's more dangerous as he gets closer to the opposite net, opposite goal. Um, he changed a lot this year because with Inzaghi we were playing 3-5-2, now with Sarri we play 4-3-3 and in the First part of the season, he's been adapting to this type of football. In the second half, he's been amazing. He scored more than 10 goals and more than 10 assists. So that's that's unbelievable. He's physical. He's really technical. Uh, he's a good header. He's not very fast, but he's not slow at the same time. So wherever you put him, I think he can do well. I think he's more as a number 10. He's been, you know, like the player behind the striker. He could be really dangerous there. But overall, he can do all the position in the central mid zone. So, yeah, I think one of the, the best skills is he can do everything. Brilliant stuff. W would you um, would you say that he is Manchester City, Liverpool level at the moment or maybe the bracket below? Well, I rate him so high, I think he could be there. Now, the question mark... Um, I think everybody has is Premier League is a very physical league compared to Italian. I think the biggest difference is that hmm. see Jordan, see Romelu Lukaku. Romelu Lukaku was destroying the the opposite defense in Italy because physically he was very much stronger than Italian defenders. Then he moved to the Premier League and he was not making the difference anymore because English Premier League defenders are physically strong, uh, fast, etc. So that's the question mark I have with Milinko Savic. One of the differences he's making in Serie A is he's physically very strong. He can make the difference, not only with his skills, but with his body. So that, that's the biggest question mark I have. But I think he's so young and talented that he can find different ways to, to make a difference. But yeah, I mean, I thought... Can he adapt to the Guardiola type of football? I think so. Maybe to the club that is more counteract type of football. He's not 
suited for that type of football. Mm. But for club type of football, for a team that likes to keep the ball, I think he's perfect for that. Fantastic. We've heard that Lazio have an interest in Lucas Torreira. Do you think that that is, is accurate? Well, it's two years that Lazio has been linked to this player. Um, I don't think so anymore because Lazio have signed Marcos Antonio, who should be in that position. We are looking for another player, Illich or Verona, that has that type of skill. So I don't think so. But Torreira has been linked to, I don't know, four or five Italian clubs this summer. So I don't think he's staying to Arsenal and I don't think you want to keep them, keep him. So <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. But yeah. I, don't, I wouldn't put Lazio in the mix at the moment. But anything yeah. can change. For sure, he's uh, he's made it very clear that he wants to leave, um, that he's been told that, you know, he doesn't really have a place at Arsenal. Understandable why he wants to leave. When you think about that, it was a deal that just never really worked out. You know, when we brought yeah. him from Sampdoria, people were speaking so highly of him. And actually, as Arsenal fans, we were very impressed with him in the early stages. But it just started to fade away a little bit. And then we started to hear he was homesick and all of that stuff, um, you know, kind of went against him. And at the end of the day, it just wasn't going to work out. And, and when Mikel Arteta came in, that was kind of the final nail in his Arsenal coffin. Um, how did he do at Fiorentina last season for those that maybe didn't see an awful lot of him? Because we understand that Fiorentina would quite like to have him back, but at the moment they don't seem willing. I don't know if they're able, but they don't seem willing to, to want to make a, a suitable offer. Yeah, that was a huge surprise for me because he had a terrific season. He played a lot of matches. He started a lot of matches, performed really well. And in fact, a lot of Lazio fans was writing on my channel. You see, we should have signed Torreira. He's playing so well with Fiorentina. Why we didn't sign him? Um, so it was a surprise that Fiorentina didn't sign them, didn't renew. He, he was on loan, but they had the, 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 the right to buy him out. And they didn't. Uh, Prade, the sport director of Fiorentina, spoke today saying that they never thought of signing him because they had another player, Amrabat, that was playing in that position. That with Torreira hardly played us last year. So that's why everybody was convinced that Torreira would stay. Um, so, yeah, I was surprised. I thought he made sense for, for Fiorentina. And I think that Torreira is another example of a player that can make the difference in Serie A, but would struggle with the rhythm and the pace of Premier League football. And as well, he's, very, he's a defender midfielder, but... I don't think he has the right ball skill to move the ball fast enough for the Premier League football. So that's why I think he struggled with Arsenal. But yeah, it was a huge surprise. And as soon as Fiorentina didn't renew his contract, didn't sign him, rumors were up. Lazio would get him, Napoli was getting. So I don't know if he's staying. I think he's coming back to Serie A. Don't know where. But yeah, that was a huge surprise, especially how much, how, how often he played Fiorentina and how good he, did, he played. He scored a couple of goals. He's he was always there, so you know, it was a surprise, honestly, for me. For sure, for sure. Um, let's take this question uh, from uh, Diallo, who says, uh, "Harry, I want to learn a little bit more about Milinkovic Savic's personality and character because we know that Mikel Arteta is very, very big on that. What can you tell us, going back to Milinkovic Savic, about his?" character his temperament is he someone that has a tendency to get into trouble is he uh, a model professional how would you describe his personality and character well i would say he's a leader he has grown up lazio signing when he was really young 
So he has grown up here in Rome and now he's one of the leaders. And one of the things I like more about Milinko Isavic is that more often than not, he makes a difference. He has an impact in the big matches. And that's one thing I love about Milinko Isavic. He scored in the derby more often than not. He scored against Inter. He made assists against Milan this year. He scored against Juventus. You know, in all big matches in Italy, Milinko Isavic all scored or made an assist. And this is very important because you have a lot of quality players that are big against small team and then against top competitor disappeared. Milinko Isavic is probably the opposite. He shines in big matches and maybe in small matches he likes to be more, you know, do the show off in small matches. But when it's an important match, he usually performs. People say that, don't they, about Milinkovic Savic, that yep. sometimes he looks a little bit uninterested in, in, in games of football. What do you put that down to? Is it that he needs the big occasion sometimes, as you say, to, to get himself going? What, what could that be down to? Well, you know, when you are such a skilled player, sometimes you want to do things even in dangerous position. So sometimes you see doing tricks in Lazio midfield, which is dangerous because if you lose the ball there, then, you know, you allow the other team to go and score pretty much. So sometimes he tends to do these things, but he's so good that most most often he gets gets out with it. And then so, you know, when you're convinced I can do anything, you try anything, even in dangerous position. Uh, so maybe when he plays against more opponents, he thinks, you know, I can win this match on my own. But he, he has grown up. And uh, I think this is something that last year he did less than in the past. So he's definitely showing signs of uh, maturity yeah. then. Brilliant. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. What's not good to hear is that you don't think he's <laughs> going to end up at Arsenal, which is uh, sad for us. But I, th- that's why I wanted to speak to you, because it's so easy to get carried away by these reports and almost get sucked in. And, you know, if you think about the Vlavic example last season, where Arsenal were heavily linked with a move for the player, and actually the reality was that he was never interested in coming to London. He only had eyes for Juventus. And it doesn't really matter what Arsenal wanted or, or what inquiries were made. That that decision was was already made and, and already well, in the pipeline. Well, I think the, in the Vlaovic story, the, the, the difference was Fiorentina was interested in selling to Arsenal or outside Italy. Mm. The player simply had already a deal with Juventus and didn't want to change it. So it wasn't untrue that Arsenal was involved. Simply, now the players have so much power that even if the club find a deal with another club, if the player wants to go to Arsenal, Manchester United, etc., most of the time he ends up going there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, Vittorio, thank you so, so much, mate, uh, for giving me up some of your time uh, today to talk to us about Milinkovic Savic, the rumours that are doing the rounds at the moment. Really, really appreciate it. Vittorio's got his own channel, which is fantastic. Uh, Vittorio, let people know how they can find it. The link is in the title, but tell people a little bit about what you do on a daily basis. Well, I'm talking about Lazio, most of all in Italian, but on social account, I talk even in English. So if you want to follow the oldest club in Rome, you can find me on, on YouTube, Vittorio Campanile, and there's the link in the description. Yes, it is indeed. Make sure you click on the link. Make sure you give Vittorio a subscriber. Myself and Vittorio will be back next season 
uh, with Tommy and with Alessandro doing Simply Serie A again, which I'm really, really looking forward to uh, getting back onto. So, uh, Vittorio, thank you so much, mate, and I'll catch you very soon. Thank you. Take care. That was the brilliant Vittorio Campanile, Italian football writer, Lazio fan, uh, giving us his views on the Milinkovic-Savic story, how reliable it is. Not at all, it seems. Uh, but he also gave us a bit of information about the player as well. Always good to catch up uh, with old friends. Thank you so much, Vittorio. Listen, guys, there's over 750 of you live with us in the chat box right now. Please do, if you haven't already, hit that like button. There's no reason why we shouldn't have at least 300 likes. Uh, we've only got 96 on the board. That's just not good enough, is it? Not good enough at all. So let's drive that up. Also, be sure to subscribe to the channel if you are new as well. We're on our way uh, towards the next milestone and we'd love to get there ASAP. Right, look, we're going to take some of your questions uh, in just a few minutes time. Just a couple of of updates uh, that I wanted to bring you guys. I I said at the top of the show that I didn't want to talk about um, the whole story with regards to Thomas Partey. Um, and and what's been said about him. You know, there's other players' names that have been uh, put in the mix as well. And I just want to confirm what's happened because during the duration of this live show, Chris Wheatley has put out a tweet in which he has confirmed now, after saying earlier on that actually he had travelled to Germany with the team, he's now said that Thomas Partey has remained in London um, and did not travel with the team uh, to Germany. Now, I can understand why people are jumping to conclusions because, of course, uh, Thomas Partey has been involved in our pre-season so far. And so it doesn't look um, it doesn't look great. But again, I'll reiterate what I said right at the top of the programme. I just wanted to make it clear that that is the latest from Chris Wheatley. But as far as I'm concerned, I don't know anything about this. And it's not fair on the victim of the alleged crime. It's not fair on the people involved. It's not fair on anyone um, that has anything to do with this for me to sit here and speculate about something that I honestly do not know anything about. So just wanted to reiterate that point, but also uh, bring to light the latest from Chris Wheatley, which is obviously very different to what he shared uh, with his following earlier on today. So there has been a shift of direction in that. Okay, let's bring you a couple more updates um, with regards to the Arsenal while you guys get your questions in. And there's a couple of comments in the chat just quickly. You know, Gunner93 says we can't all look away, can we? Uh, That's not what I'm doing. Um, That's not what I'm doing. I promise you, I am not uh, looking away from this. These allegations are serious. This is a really, really serious crime. But I'm not in a position to speak about it because anything I say would be purely based on speculation and that is not what I want to be drawn into you know and I I don't think it's fair on the people involved as I've already said so um, just a couple more quick updates I just wanted to touch on uh, Marquinhos who has been pictured in pre-season training uh, with the Arsenal my word what an absolute powerhouse he looks like physically I must admit you know I kind of thought that you know, Marquinhos would be somebody who comes in and and would very much be on the peripheries and may even, and he may still end up going out on loan between now and the end of the window. But just looking at some of those pictures and looking at some of what we've seen from the training so far, he looks like an absolute unit. Uh, And that gives me encouragement that he'll fit in just fine. 
uh, in the Premier League. Uh, also, Charles Watts earlier on uh, dropped an update regarding Lissandro Martinez. It's an update, but it doesn't really tell us anything different to what we kind of already knew, uh, which is that... Um, you know, the feeling remains that Manchester United have a, a slight advantage if both teams get a bid accepted because of the Eric Ten Hag connection, but the Arsenal are still pushing for, for this. So this is what he said. He said, the Martinez latest player met with Ajax yesterday after returning to Amsterdam and reiterated his determination to move to the Premier League. No bids have been accepted from either side up until now, um, which is interesting. Uh, and again, just that point around Eric Ten Hag. So we're kind of as you were. I think we will get some kind of movement on this, some kind of indication one way or the other as to whether we stand a chance of getting Lissandro Martinez. And we need to be pushing for this ASAP because I know it's only the 5th of July, but we've got to get a few more players in, I believe, at least two. And so I really, and I'm talking about two players that are, are for today, not future prospects. So I do think it's really, really important that we kind of find out um, where we stand and, um, you know, and just uh, and just kind of move on if we need to or get the deal done if we need to as well. So it's going to be really, really interesting um, to see how that plays out in the next couple of days. But from speaking to some people that cover Manchester United, they expect that there'll be some sort of movement on this in the coming days. So whatever the outcome is, maybe will be a little bit clearer about what's going on with the Argentine in the uh, in what remains, hopefully, of this week. Um, just wanted to quickly uh, give a shout out to Trev, a.k.a. Creambone, one of our members, one of the regulars in the chat, sent a picture to us in the Discord server. Uh, he was in hospital recovering uh, from a little bit of surgery. So just want to say a big um, shout out to you, mate, and wish you a very, very speedy recovery. You're one of the uh, heart and soul of the uh, Chronicles of Aguna Discord server and the chat box as well. Um, so, yeah, I uh, just wanted to give you a shout out. Wish you a speedy recovery and hope to see you back in the chat box ASAP. OK, let's take some of your questions um, from the chat box before we go. Let's take this one from Guna Works, who says, um, how many of our new signings do you think will start for us? on day one against Crystal Palace. I've got to be honest. I think it will just be Jesus based on the players that we've already bought in. You know, I think that Saliba comes in. I don't think he walks straight into the heart of the defence, barring any injuries or, or any problems, any absences for whatever reason. Um, yeah, I, I, I think looking at it at the moment, I think that Gabriel Jesus is the only one really that will come into the starting lineup. But I, I, I'll stress the point that for me last season, problem wasn't necessarily the 11 when everybody was fit. The problem was beyond that. The problem was a lack of depth. And I think that we need that, of course. And once we get a bit more of that depth, then we'll be much better equipped to be consistent in what we're challenging for. So, yeah, I'd be surprised if more than uh, just Gabriel Jesus started. But that's based on the business we've done so far. And things could change, uh, of course, uh, later on in the window, in, the, in which case that answer might become a little bit irrelevant. Uh, Popham says, uh, why are we taking so long to bid for Tielemans? I have no idea. Um, I'm, I thought maybe when I kind of hoped that the Milinkovic-Savage link would be a little bit more reliable, 
that maybe Arsenal were holding fire on Tielemans because they wanted Milinkovic-Savic and they were going to try and explore that possibility first. But doesn't look, based on what Vittorio said, that Arsenal are um, in with a real shout of landing Milinkovic-Savic, in which case I don't know. Um, you know, we've been discussing this for weeks. What is the hold-up with Tielemans? We've heard talks that it's to do with the uh, intermediaries involved. We've also heard talk to say that actually... Um, it's because Leicester have put their price up or because Tielemans is unsure, although there are contradictory reports that say that he's desperate to join Arsenal. So I just, I've got to be honest, I just really don't know where we're at um, with uh, with Yuri Tielemans at this moment in time. Let me pick up a couple of more, uh, a couple more, I beg your pardon, uh, before I uh, I jump off. Nicholas Arthur says, just got a ticket to the Florida Cup versus Chelsea. Who do you think I'll get to see play? Well, I'll hope, mate, that, you know, everybody will be there, that the majority will be there um, and, and play some part. I think that is as we edge towards or closer towards the start of the season. Of course, Arsenal start their season on the Friday night. Uh, if you haven't checked out uh, the Arsenal website today, you'll see that a few games have been rescheduled. Let me just um, share that with you, actually, because I've got that tab open. Uh, so I might as well share it with you while we're on the uh, subject of the start of the season. But we know that Arsenal play on Friday, the 5th of August, away at Crystal Palace, 8pm. That game is live on Sky Sports. Our second fixture against Leicester on Saturday, August 13, uh, will take place uh, at 3pm. We then travel to Bournemouth away. That's a 5.30pm kickoff down on the south coast before another 5.30pm kickoff the following week, this time at home, against Fulham. Our game at home to Aston Villa will be played on Wednesday, the 31st of August. That one will be live on BT Sport here in the UK. And our trip to Old Trafford has been pushed to the Sunday. We play at 4.30pm, that one again live on Sky, before we play Everton at home at 2pm on Sunday, September the 11th. And then, of course, Brentford away on Sunday, September 18th. That one is also at 2 p.m. So some uh, fixture rearrangements there uh, for you guys to uh, update your calendars with going into the start of the new season. Uh, Dave Jordan says, uh, and thank you so much, mate, for your very, very kind donation. He says, is Tielemans back from his break? Because that could advance things. I, I don't know if I'm honest with you. Um, I haven't really kept my ears close to the ground when it comes to Leicester City. So I, I don't know if that is the case. But there seems to be some kind of hold up, right? Uh, and some kind of issue. You know, if it's true that Arsenal already have an agreement in place with, Kier uh, I nearly said Kieran Tielemans, I don't know why, with Yuri Tielemans, then surely they, would, they wouldn't be worried about that. And they'd actually be looking to just get an offer accepted by Leicester and do that side of things. I don't know. I don't know. I, I really don't know. Confusing one. Uh, okay, let's... Um, see what else we have got. Uh, Lewis Eglinton says, don't you think we should give Tavares another chance as a backup and the FA Cup games and focus on other areas in the pitch? I don't know, mate. I, I don't know. I, I was really, really discouraged by some of the things I saw from him in the second half of last season. I don't, I've, I've said this time and time again, I don't think it helped that we had a problem at right fullback as well. I think that the imbalance caused on both sides made his life more difficult. Um, obviously, we had different players playing in midfield because we had uh, absentees as well, and that didn't help. And then, you know, maybe Emil Smith-Rowe wasn't playing as much on the left, which 
I think probably suits Nuno Tavares that little bit better. So there were so many factors to take into consideration. I'm not ruling him out of having a career at Arsenal. Um, not at all. But, you know, I just, um, I just, I'm not sure about him and I'm not sure I trust him. Maybe Europa League group stages, he'll be fine. Maybe in the Carabao Cup early stages, FA Cup, even depending on the draw, he might be all right. But I just don't think that we can, um, we can rely on him to be, uh, you know, to be a, a very capable deputy and someone that we can trust in moving forward in the big moments. Uh, Dave Jordan, I don't really want to get into this, but I'll, I'll, I'll just say a little bit on this because um, I feel like it's it's not going to go away if if we don't kind of address it in some way. And I'm not wanting to come across as, as though I'm shirking a conversation that is obviously very, very important. But Dave Jordan says, Harry, from a journalistic standpoint, opinions on Chris Wheatley's conduct. I don't know Chris Wheatley. Um, I haven't got a bad word to say about him because I don't know him. That would be completely unfair, completely wrong. I've said this to you guys before, and this is more of a general point than a point made towards Chris Wheatley. Journalists, a lot of the time, are only as good as the information that they get. And for him to have gone out and said what he said, he must have had that information passed to him. And unfortunately, in this instance, that information has proven to be incorrect. But that doesn't mean that Chris Wheatley seeked to deceive the Arsenal fan base or anybody else, um, you know, by saying what he said earlier today, which was that Thomas Partey had travelled and now saying that he didn't travel. I don't think he set out to deceive anyone or to paint a false picture of the events. He went with the information that he had and that information has been proved wrong. He's then come and corrected that information, which I guess he kind of has to do as well. So, yeah, again, you know, I don't I don't think it's a reflection of, of the person. I don't think it's something that we should dig Chris Wheatley out for. It's It's something that he's been told, obviously, that information was wrong and he's had to correct it is what it is. I've been in that position. Um, not with something as high profile, but where I've been given, I got given information the other day. There you go. Prime example. Um, that uh, the goal scorers from the Arsenal friendly were Enketia with the hat trick, Balogun and Reese Nelson. That was the information I got. And then I was told, or it was confirmed by Arsenal that actually it was Lakonga that got on the score sheet, not Reese Nelson. And I had to correct that. And you know, I felt terrible about that, but it wasn't my fault. It was information that somebody had given me that was wrong, incorrect. And Chris Wheatley will feel terrible about this. But again, is it his fault? No, it isn't. You know, it isn't. If you get past that information then and you've got it from a source that you've previously known to be reliable, what reason would you have to doubt it? So, yeah, I, I don't want to get into the place where we're like hammering people for just trying to do their jobs. And, you know, we, we're kind of looking to jump on people for all sorts of things and again it's why I don't want to really speculate about this story it's why you know I, I said I wasn't going to go into it. I've spoken about it way more than I wanted to but I kind of felt like I had to um, but I think we kind of just need to to step back from it see how it pans out let the people whose job it is to deal with this situation do it without the added complication of a load of speculation uh, from all directions so there we go Okay, guys, thank you for tuning in. I am going to leave it there. Thanks again to our brilliant guest, Vittorio Campanile, for joining me to talk Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. We've got um, 198 likes on the board. Let's try and get that up to 300 
likes on the board. By the time this live stream ends, it should be light work, given there are over 800 of you with me now in the live chat. Unbelievable stuff. Like, subscribe. You know the drill by now. We'll be back very, very soon. More Arsenal-related content. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.